Welcome to this special episode of Bickering Peaks. Today's topic is all about theories and conjecture, the dream theory and the owl cave ring. So a few days ago we released our Firewalk With Me episodes, but we wanted to save our theorizing for a night when we could have Aaron back because Aaron is, uh, you took a lot of notes on this and and we figured that if anybody was going to be able to enlighten us and tell us what the hell is going on, it would be you. So no pressure. Yeah, it's... I didn't tell you most of my notes are what the hell is going on. <laughs> that's, that's okay. That's, that's pretty standard. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's about right. Um, so the two big theories or the two big things we wanted to talk about in relation to Firewalk With Me are the, what, what is the ring? What's, what's going on with the ring, the owl cave ring? And what is the dream theory? So Aaron, do you, do you have a place you'd like to start with this? Well, I can, we can start with the, the ring and mostly the ring stuff. I wrote down just a whole bunch of questions. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that seems like a good That's way to structure right. yeah. a conversation yeah. about it because I think there are just a lot of questions and there are no answers for any of this. Yeah. Um, That's why they're fan theories. This is why we they're try fan to fill theories. in the gaps. And, yeah. So wait, do you have a most like one that jumps out at you? Is like a good question to start off. Is does Laura accept the ring and does that protect her or does she accept it and it doesn't protect her or does she not accept it and it's like, neither of those things right. are true. <laughs> right. Like, uh, it's a little bit hard to tell from the from the movie, but she does take the ring. She does. Right? Yes. And yeah. she, she puts it on herself. Yes. Now, there's a couple of weird things because that's all in the train car at the end. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. very confusing. Like, it happens very quickly because... The ring, like, Mike throws it in, and it rolls in onto the spotlight. And I'm going to challenge you on that, but go for it. Yes. That's fine. Uh, and then uh, all we see is, all of a sudden, Laura kind of has it in her hand, and then she's putting it on. Yeah. And that's, that. so we don't, and before that, she was previously tied up with her hands behind her back. Uh, so how did she get untied when earlier the angel had untied her on that plastic? So it's, it's a little messy there as to even, like, how it actually happens. Mm-hmm. So I think that muddies that question a lot because yeah. it's, like, did she, like, choose to put it on? Was it just magic? Like, did the angels arrange that for her some mm-hmm. way or something? I have no idea. Do you have any initial thoughts? Sorry, you want to challenge me on Well, Mike? I don't think Mike threw it in. I think the ring appeared. Like, it looks like he threw it in, but there's no indication that he actually does throw it in. That Philip Gerard, the one-armed man tosses the ring in or anything i mean we assume that but i think that there's i honestly think that it's it's um because every other time that we see the ring like the first time we see it especially it's being like handed to her by the little man in the red room and then she wakes up and it's in her hand so it's like she had no choice to take that ring at that moment it was given to her it was forced on her right so i think the difference is that in the train car when she finally accepts the ring, it's her of her own volition that she does it. Now, how that happens is how did she get untied? Did uh, the angel do it? Did yeah. like it? Something supernatural might have happened to make that to make that possible. But um, 
But I think in in taking the ring herself, that's her taking control of her destiny, right? Yeah. So when <laughs> it's it's so messy though, right? Because because then you've got Cooper telling her not to take the ring. Yeah. And then what does that mean? Because yeah. we can talk about that maybe a bit a bit later. But so uh, what if so if there's a rift between Mike and Bob. Right. Mm-hmm. So when Mike shows up, the ring appears, and that's and she takes it, and that's like Mike taking control of her, and that's why Bob has to kill, has to kill her because he's he can no longer he can't well, control her. control her anymore. See, that's that's, that's how I took it because the well, rift. What was that that video we watched that kind of said that? I thought it was Joel Bach. I don't think no, it was. No, it wasn't. No, it was I a different remember. one. It was a different one. But there was a really good theory that if we can find it, we'll link to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that, yeah, basically said uh, Whoever the, gives... the Garmin Bosia that uh, Mike takes from Bob slash Leland at the end of the movie uh, is there because Bob wanted to take over Leland or take over Laura. And when that was stopped and he had to kill her, that caused Bob actually a lot of suffering. And that's why his pain and sorrow. Uh, created the Garmin Bosia for Mike to consume. So it makes it sound like uh, Mike kind of helped Laura. I mean, in that she he stopped Bob from taking her over, but she had to die as a consequence. So it's not so much uh, Laura's pain and suffering that uh, there's a pain and sorrow. I don't remember. Pain and sorrow. I don't remember. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not so much hers that, that they actually eat at the end. It's actually Bob slash Leyland's. Right. Um, which kind of makes sense because they pull the blood out of Leyland's well, stomach and, and, and stuff. And I think that goes further to the idea that that whoever gives... However you get the ring, the spirit that, that gives it to you is the one who will collect that Garmambosia, right? Because, so that's why it seems like there's like a battle going on in Laura's dream where the, the little man tries to give her the ring and it's almost like the, the grandmother is like leading her somewhere. Maybe she has a way to collect Garmambosia too. So like whoever gives the ring is whoever will be able to harvest the Garmambosia, right? So mm. if Mike is the one, that, that kind of shoots a hole in my theory that Mike didn't actually throw the, the ring in, but but... It would stop, it would prevent Bob from, from ultimately, like, I don't think Bob is after any kind of cream corn deliciousness. <laughs> That's not his goal, right? Like, his goal is to possess Laura and, like he says in the film, to taste through her mouth and, like, mm. be her, Become right? Her, yeah. That's his goal. But for Mike and for the other spirits, it's all about the collection and harvesting of this pain well, and Well, I mean, it could right? be that... Uh he'd feed off of her sorrow by making her do maybe, bad things. Maybe, sure. Right? Like, maybe that's what he's been doing with Leland. And that might be why he, like, maybe there's more to the, the story, because we, we don't really get much of the story of Mike and Bob and how they were working together, and then Mike decided to be go to go good, and or at least not be as bad as Bob, and they split. But we don't really find out any of yeah. that. So, like, mm-hmm. at what point did that happen? Was it early on, earlier on in Leland's possession or Leland's... And maybe Mike was supposed to collect all of Leland's pain and sorrow, but then when Bob separated from Mike or Mike separated from Bob, that's when Bob stole the corn. Like, he stole Leland from Mike, right? 
And maybe that's why that whole interaction <laughs> happens. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it's, it really is. Like, there's just so many questions. You just... Well, yeah, and, and the ring is kind of, like, central to the mythological yeah. supernatural parts of Firewalk. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's the central hub around which they, they kind of revolve in the real world. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a whole scene in the uh, convenience store, or yeah. above the convenience store, um, which is all backwards talk. And they're talking about electricity and fellow victim and, and stuff like there's all sorts of weird stuff there um th- that's the scene where mike says with this ring ivy wed right um which to me always meant that whoever wore the ring was married to mike and that's why right. bob couldn't take over like like mm. you said that's basically it like um mike made this ring when he gives it to laura when laura puts it on at least um bob can no longer take control her because he can't marry her but there are other characters in that that convenience store scene that have bowls in front of them that are empty. So it's they—they all potentially could collect Garmambosia. So how would they collect it? Do they all collect it through the ring? Are there different rings? Maybe Coop's ring that he wears in the series is also <laughs> related somehow. I mean, I don't know. These—these these are questions. We aren't going to get to any conclusions. <laughs> no, does sure. uh, does a secret history? Shed any light? I the ring comes up quite a bit yes. in yeah. secret history. Yeah, it does. I'm trying to think if it helps at all. I, well, it seems like it's still like this. It almost like everybody who has it has a supernatural experience. Mm-hmm. So, and it's hinted that they all go to the red room or to the black lodge. Mm-hmm. Like you get um, Meriwether Lewis ends up going somewhere, right? Yeah. And the chief of the the Nez Perce that he that he needs gives him the ring tells him not to wear it it's almost like a frodo and the ring yeah. thing like don't put it on just keep it in this pouch yeah. but then like when you get someone like i don't know does jack parsons in the book end up with the ring that's the uh the guy it's the, the propeller jet propulsion, jet propulsion, lab? propulsion. Yeah. yeah lab yeah richard nixon ends up with the ring well that's it the seems thing like, like at yeah. some point yeah like i know like when you first watch the movie it seems like anybody who wears the ring dies because yes. you know Teresa had it, she dies, and then it's Laura like, has it, she dies, she dies. Yeah. So it feels like it's just a bad omen, right? But then you, yeah, you start kind of poking holes, and it gets a little more complicated. Yeah, like I'm not sure that's it's necessarily that you die, but something something happens. Something I think happens. I think it is a link to obviously it's a link to that other place. It's frustrating, Sorry. but it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true. <laughs> the one thing that that I that I watched for when we were, when we watched Fire Walk with me the other night, um, was the position of the owls, the owl cave symbol on the ring. Uh. Because, because in, in the episode where they find the petroglyph in owl cave, mm-hmm. um, when Andy strikes the, the wall and then that pulley or the, the, the handle, handle comes out, mm-hmm. the owl cave symbol is right side up. It's, it's down. like, the diamond shape, and then the wings come out of like that. But every time we see it in the film, the wings are V-shaped. They're not inverted. They're not like the... Like the W-shaped? Yeah, they're V-shaped on either side of the diamond, right? Okay. I don't know how to describe it yeah, for you, our you listeners on the podcast. It. Yeah. It's, it's hard to... But anyway... I, because there were there were theories that maybe the way you accepted the ring, whether it was upside down or right side up, determined whether it would be a good thing or a bad thing. Because here's something that 
may impact your interpretation of the ring as well is at the end uh in the extended deleted scenes of firewalk me the last time we see the ring is on the finger of annie blackburn yeah uh who's just come out of the red room in a concussion or a coma or something and she's delirious um and someone steals it and, it, and you said at that time it looked like it had been well yeah it, but it, it yeah when the when the nurse takes it off of annie's finger it's a to shape. us looks upside down but to annie holding it up on her hand it would look the way that it does when laura accepts it yeah but maybe the nurse who took it is accepting it right side up or the other well, I and, that, and that's interesting because that's the time we see someone like physically steal the ring yeah whereas all the other times it's kind of yeah it's been just either just appeared or it's yeah. kind of like a gift mm-hmm. um let's also talk quickly Teresa banks has the ring she's yes. the first one who has yes. it. yes um and it's kind of like the MacGuffin in that first like part of the thing like where's Teresa banks's ring and then mm-hmm. he goes back for it um and when he reaches for it Chet Desmond. Yeah. Uh, that's when he disappears, right? Yeah. So, again, yeah, I think that kind of supports the idea that the ring in some way takes you to a supernatural place. I mean, he just disappears. Um, Laura yeah. dies with it. And then also the next time you see her is when she's in the, the Red Room at the end of the film. Yeah. I'm just saying things now. Yeah. This is no theory whatsoever. <laughs> so, anybody jump in to add some ideas here? Well, yeah, I just, I don't know. The ring is the one thing that really just baffles me completely because I have no idea what, I think, honestly, I think it's it, it ultimately comes down to it being the thing that allows them to harvest the pain and suffering. I think, that I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. So did they take Teresa's Garmin Bosia too? Or did they take pain and suffering from that? Maybe. Maybe. And again, but they take it, it from Leland. They yeah. don't take it from Laura or Teresa. They're taking it from Leland. So maybe whoever Leland kills with... If Leland kills someone with the ring, then he can collect there. No, yeah, I don't maybe, know. Well, maybe. I mean, if you interpret Leland as being a, an okay guy who has this terrible creature who takes him over and does bad things, then every time he does something bad, Leland would, would have his own pain and right. sorrow from... Uh, you know, from having done these terrible things and right. having it weighing on his conscience. Right. So then he'd be just a, a good source of Garmenbosia, I guess, right. for these guys. Um, that presupposes that Leland has a conscience. Exactly. That that means that Leland, therefore, has to be a good guy in the <laughs> yeah. end because yeah. he's, you know, he ha- he feels bad for doing all these things. Right. Which is, again, the movie's so ambiguous about, like... Well, in the show as well, is is doesn't give yeah. you any good answers when... No. I'm just thinking of when he's killing Laura, he's like, don't make me do this. Like, right. he's still... Yes, Part of him, at least, doesn't want to kill Laura. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he does. So, yeah. Uh, they could just be collecting it from, like, the vessel collects the yeah. thing. Yeah. Maybe that's the that Yeah, too, that's true, too. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that, that makes a lot of sense. That from murdering. the people that, they, yes. that he murders. Yeah. Or does anything he passes, or, yeah. and then they, they take it from him in, yes. the, yeah. in the room. Right. Yeah, I think people just interpret it as being Leland's because it shows up as blood in his stomach, but that doesn't necessarily mean no. it's from him. Well, and it's funny because that stomach area is the same place Cooper has stabbed when he goes into the red room. It's it's like just right in the, the yeah, lower yeah. gut kind of area. So yeah. I'm wondering if that's like the source of Garmin Bosia is in the stomach. Like it's just, I don't know. 
It's hmm. a weird uh, little... It would fit in with the, the whole obsession Twin Peaks has with food and the stomach yeah. being... <laughs> very important. You yeah. know, food is... is food is very vital. important, yes. Everybody Not just loves. to survival, but to as enjoyment. an indication of everything in Twin Peaks. So, do you have any other questions you want to... Yeah. <laughs> We've gone over. It's all the questions. Yeah. Um, no, I think that I don't think that there's really any any answers for uh, it good or bad. I mean, the whole if it's right side up or I don't know which way right side. Yeah, up. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but the the direction that you put it on affects yeah. it. Like, there's just so many variables. Yeah. That yeah. It could. I think I think it would be worth going back to reading the secret history again mm-hmm. with that, like just an eye on. Where the is ring. the ring mentioned, and then yeah. what happens to the characters who wear it? Um, well, and I mean, so the ring, it's interesting because the ring was not mentioned at all in the series. It's invented, basically, for the film. But then, so, and Mark Frost had nothing to do with it. That was just David Lynch and Robert Engels who wrote that film. But then Mark Frost revisits it, and it becomes a central part of the, the secret history of Twin Peaks. Which David Lynch has not read and says is Mark Frost's version of events. So, it, I mean, it gets messy, but, but you have to think that it's got to play some kind of a role in, in the upcoming season too, right? Yeah. So, or, or something will. It's, the symbol itself has been featured in, in promos for the, yeah. for the show. So, um, yeah, I don't think Mark Frost would make it that big of a yeah, piece I of the book and then not bring it up. I can't imagine that it, that it wouldn't. Plus, David be. Lynch has said that the events of Firewalk with me are important to the, right. to the series. So I feel like it's it going to be... It has to come back, right? Yeah. Um, maybe we'll get some clarity. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe <laughs> not at not, all. yeah. Because I feel like in the film, it's just one of those things that David Lynch created and then maybe had no intention of solving right away, but would have come back to in later films. Because originally that was supposed to be one of three movies that he was going to make. Yeah, that's right. Post-Twin Peaks, so... And the other thing is... I don't know where I read this. I was reading it on someone's blog, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, they just said that when David Lynch started with the the ring, it was just going to be a symbol of doom. Like, whoever wore it died. Right. Um, and then it was only near, like, halfway through, as he was starting to add those elements of positive positivity mm-hmm. to uh, Laura's story that he realized has a bit more of an ambiguous meaning. Um, right. And... and it does. So it's like a very typical David Lynch thing. Like, there's no one answer. You gotta well, and that's, you watch it again, and you're like, maybe it means this. Maybe it doesn't. And, and that's I feel kind like that's of the like intention. what the what the show ultimately. I mean, we we've talked about this in our in our podcast that that it almost seems like the whole idea is that um, good and bad exist in the same person, and you have to keep them in balance in order. Like, you can't. Nobody can be all good. Like Cooper tries to be all good, and ultimately fails. Laura can't be good at all, but like she can't accept her good parts. She thinks she's all evil. Yeah. And then keeping those things in balance, like we said in, in the at the end of um, in our finale episode with the fire walk with me being like maybe that literally means you need to coexist with your fire. You need to walk with your fire, right? Like so if the ring can be both good things and bad things, if it can, depending on the person, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's depending on the state of mind that that person yeah. is in is how, you know. So And that seems like something that, that David Lynch would definitely play with on a, like a psychological level. Yeah. And I think uh, the one thing that um, 
kind of adds to that, but it also complicates uh, the role of the ring with Garmambosia is the Chalifons slash Tremons, who, the first time you see them, they explicitly don't want cream corn. Right. Uh, which, to me, feels like, okay, they don't want Garmambosia. Maybe they're good spirits. Well, when you first watch the series, you're just like, just okay, like, they just the don't hell? want cream yeah. corn. <laughs> crazy Nobody wants cream corn. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah. but later on, you realize maybe they're There's... turned off by the fact that this is... Yeah, and you find out they're spirits and, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then, But then they are in that room with all the other evil spirits, with Bob and, and the arm, and they're sitting there waiting for cream corn, too, potentially. Yeah. So... And this is something you said earlier, Lindsay, was that perhaps that means that they know that there has to be a balance between eating cream corn slash pain and sorrow when appropriate and not eating it just by the barrel full. Like, mm-hmm. So they don't want it handed to them. They have to earn their own, perhaps, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, those two characters are, are so enough, weird yeah, but... and complicated, but they add that extra layer, to, especially when you find out that Yes, they. She was leading Laura in her dream. Yeah. Towards the Somewhere. ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, well, she winds up with the ring at yeah. one point after Mrs. Chalfont shows her her the way. So yeah, there's just another layer of what the heck's going on with that ring. Yeah, it's it's one of those infuriating but intoxicating elements of Twin Peaks that you just. Well, it's the blue rose, right? Yeah. You know, it's the one thing you're not supposed to know what's what yeah. it is like. Nobody's gonna tell you. Yeah. You know, for Firewalk with me, I can't tell you what the Blue Rose is all about. Yeah. And the ring is really the Blue Rose for this one, I think. Yeah. And he, well, yeah. he goes back for the Blue Rose and he finds the ring. So yeah. No, it's for pretty sure. blatant, no, I actually. Think, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah. Um, So maybe we're not supposed to know anything about it. Well, yeah, maybe that's kind of the purpose. Is the poipus? The poipus. Mm-hmm. I've poipus. done that like three or four times, times yeah. the last couple of weeks. You turn into a New Yorker. New Yorker. That was terrible. Oh my god. <laughs> I also just. Side note, I love the way you say Chalfont. Chalfont. Chalfont? Like, Chalfont is Chalifont. Chalifont. It's just interesting. What do I say? That's what you say. What is it supposed to say? Well, I don't know. You just <laughs> add an extra syllable there that I just... What? Is... Like Chalfont. Chalfont? Yeah, but... Yeah. but I say Chalifont. Well, yes. a little bit. Oh, but it's, okay. it's, okay. it's you've said it many times throughout the course of our I podcast. assume that's how it was said. No, I just... I'm not criticizing. I just think it's like the way you say anything. It's... Shut up. It's cute. It's just a little <laughs> accent, dialectical thing that you do. You know that divorce we were going to avoid? Yeah. Well, <laughs> Twin Peaks ruined our marriage. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, any other last ring theories, or do you want to move on to the dream? Do you have any more? Did anything pop in while we were talking there? No. I mean, I, we could jump right into the dream theory with Chester Desmond yes. reaching out to grab the ring. ring. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a that's a good tie-in. Uh, Aaron, you want to walk us through the dream theory? Sure. What is what is the dream yeah. theory? So uh, the dream theory is I read it on a few different websites, and I think it first appeared in the Wrapped in Plastic. Yes, yeah. Uh, many many fancy. moons ago. Yeah. Um, that the whole beginning of Fire Walk With Me, the whole part with Chester Desmond and then Cooper is all a dream that Cooper is having. Yeah. That none of it actually takes place in real life. And okay. that it's it's Cooper trying reliving the investigation into Teresa 
Banks's murder right. through his dream. So Chester Desmond is CD, which is DC backwards. He's also a grumpier version of <laughs> Cooper. Yeah. Straight to the point and kind of a jerk. Kind of, kind of a jerk. <laughs> a little bit more like Albert in, yeah. in that sense. Um, and the Sam Stanley character would be the mirror to to Albert. Albert. Yeah. So he's a, a much, more, much more friendly yeah. um, kind of guy. There's, uh, there's a lot of duality that goes on in mm. the dream. Lots of things get mentioned twice or happen twice. Right. Um, yeah, which is a typical Lynch thing to do in dreams. Yes. Yeah. Just, uh, just repeat yourself, yeah. Uh, what else happens? Um, Sam... So there's... The biggest part is probably the scene in the trailer when they're with... Carl Rod. Carl Rod. Yeah. yeah. And um, Sam asks him if they don't need a wake-up or a wake-up call or a uh, pick-me-up. Uh, pick-me-up, yeah. A good wake-me-up. Yeah. A good wake-me-up. And he and says it he twice. Said, then he says it twice. Yeah. And then everything gets really weird. Yeah. Right. And it's... So... Uh, the theory is that it's that's Cooper kind of trying to wake up and then kind of everything gets weird for a few minutes and uh-huh. then it goes back goes back to normal. Right. Um, so that's one of the bigger indications. The other one is that they don't sleep the whole time. Right. Uh, I can't think of... There's another mention of dreams when... Uh, doesn't Carl Rod say that he feels like he... Or he was having a bad dream... When yeah. when Chet comes to, yeah. or when oh, Cooper no, when, when Cooper, Cooper comes, comes to the comes Fat Trout Trailer yeah. Park, Carl Rod says, "Oh, don't worry about it. I was having a bad dream anyway." Yeah, um, which seems to be another kind of a hit over the head. Like maybe this is not a hundred percent. Yeah, what we think. What it we is. think it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then it goes. Chet Desmond reaches for the ring, mm-hmm. which a lot of people are what they think is that's Cooper realizing that that has something to do with what it is, because then it switches from that directly to Cooper yes. in the FBI offices right. with the whole Philip Jeffries thing. Right. Then uh, there's a lot of stuff with Philip Jeffries, that, whether they're having a shared dream. Sure. Where. Like Jeff. of the above the convenience store thing, or or when he actually walks into the FBI. When he walks into the FBI, okay. if yeah. Philip Jeffries and Cooper are having yes. a shared dream at okay. that point, right, and right. he's trying to tell him something, or yeah. is, everything's very well. I mean, and that sequence has a super dreamy feel because yeah. Cooper look goes to the camera and he sees nothing. He goes back and then goes back again and he sees himself. Yeah, and yeah. Philip Jeffries walking by and yeah. he freaks out, uh, and like that's like that's not. That's not real. <laughs> like yeah. that can't happen in the real world. And, yeah. and usually, Twin Peaks has been pretty good about distinguishing uh, those. I mean, it obviously blurs the lines a lot, but that one's a very well. That whole specific... scene is very dream logicy, yeah. right? Yeah. Like yeah. it doesn't. Fall well, yeah. Philip Jeffries just disappears at the yeah. end, and they're like, "He was never here." Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, that's a very dreamy sequence. And Gordon Cole mentions the dreams. Yeah. he talks to Cooper about a dreaming that he had yeah. And then... yeah Cooper's had dreams obviously and, and that's what he says like he, yeah. he 
Yeah, he, he was starts worried off, right? about a dream. Yeah, he's worried about it because of a dream he had that day. Yeah. Is that the same sequence or is that... Yeah, that happens right before because then as soon as he finishes saying that, he runs to the camera room and, mm. and starts that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes me wonder, what is he reliving the dream? Is he checking? Is this part of the dream? Is he describing the dream at this point? Um, it's it kind of... Well, yeah, that's another way it could be is that uh, he's actually still sitting at that desk that whole time, and, and he just describes about the about Philip Jeffries thing as if it was a dream. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, a dream within a dream. A dream within a dream. Maybe. Oh, that's Inception. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Twinception. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll show that myself terrible, out. <laughs> yeah. But thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it could be. I mean, here's the other thing about uh, the dream sequence is that, and this is something I like yeah. uh, that you pointed out was that it could be Cooper's dream. From while he's in the red room, and I think we actually mentioned this when we were talking oh, about okay. the other yeah. day, is that uh, it could be yeah because when Cooper's shown in the red room, he has kind of his normal haircut, but when yeah. he's in the FBI uh, offices, he has like hair more slicked it, back. It's mm. different somehow. Well, it, it just doesn't look right. It's it's slicked. It looks like Chester Desmond's type. A little hair, bit, right? So maybe the the real Cooper, the non-dream Cooper, is in the red room and he's dreaming of not only what Chester Desmond slash his alter self did in uh, Tro- Fat Tro- Fat Tro- 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 Park, Deer, Meadow. Deer Meadow and everything. Really terrible names. Uh, and then uh, the Red Room and stuff is actually him, and he's also also remembering uh, or dreaming about what happened to Philip Jeffries in... Uh, well, you were the one who brought it up that when Cooper's in the real world, he dreams about the Red Room. Yeah. But if Cooper's in the Red Room and if he dreams, if there are dreams in the Red Room or, or the Black Lodge or whatever, this would be what he would dream about is the real world. The real world. But, but it would slightly retain, shifted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, there's also, like, uh, you can use that to explain some of the inconsistencies, right? That uh, perhaps when he dreams of the real world, he's actually creating another world, which might explain some of the things that are in the secret history of Twin Peaks where there's inconsistencies and mm-hmm. feels like maybe there's multiple worlds mm-hmm. going on at the same time. So maybe his dream is actually created to Chester Desmond and right. stuff like that. There's yeah, there's all sorts of because that oddities. that does bring up one of the, one of the big problems with the the dream theory that was addressed in um, I think it was the it's the Red Room podcast Secret History of Twin Peaks episode which came out like right after the book was released maybe even the same day um, and they had John Thorne on and he's the one who came up with the theory himself. And they grilled him on it a little bit because in the secret history of Twin Peaks, there is a list of, of FBI agents who have gone missing, and Chester Desmond is on that list. Yeah. So if the dossier exists in this world, and if Chester Desmond is in that dossier, he must exist in real life. So how could he be just a figment of Agent Cooper's dream imagination? Mm-hmm. But if there are multiple realities or if the act of Cooper dreaming him into existence in the Red Room creates him in reality. That I hadn't heard that theory. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, did you just come up with that? No, we talked about it before. But I did come up with it. Total, it's my credit. That's right. <laughs> I have 100% on it. So. I don't remember talking about that. I think that, that might be interesting. But but I still think that there's something to it. And, and I wanted to bring this up because the originally in the script... Um, Agent Cooper was supposed to have a much bigger role, and he was supposed to have all of... Yeah, the um, entire the entire first part was Agent Cooper. Yeah, um, investigating with mm-hmm. Sam Stanley, and, and he was the one there. And then when Kyle McLaughlin backed out, um, or reduced his role, 
they kept most of the lines, but they gave them to Chet Desmond. But the lines that are different are different in a way that kind of suggest that yeah. this is a dream state that we're in. Like the wake me up the line is not included line. in the original script, but it's added in when Sam Stanley is talking to Chet Desmond. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some other instances where that... Where the script changed. I think yeah. in one of the other parts is when they're in the FBI office. Um, in the original script, Albert is sent out of the room, and it's during that period when... Uh, Sam Stanley, or sorry, it's during that period that Philip Jeffries disappears, so Albert doesn't actually witness. Yeah, Jeffries uh, disappears. Jeffries disappear from yeah, nobody the does. And well, Cooper, no, Cooper. Cooper walks out of the room. In the original script? Oh, well, in what's I'm, filmed. I just want to talk about the oh, okay. original script sorry, first sorry. Because, yeah. because that's interesting because in the TV show, Albert Rosenfield shows up and he's a total skeptic, mm-hmm. right? But if. In what's filmed in Fire Walk With Me, Albert is there. Albert picks up the phone, and he's like, he was never here. Like, it's not that he just disappeared, but he never he never came into the building. Um, and those lines were added after the fact. Like, he's not shown speaking them. They're kind of off camera. So it's, it's, it's like, if that Albert Rosenfield saw something like that happen in front of his eyes, he wouldn't be a skeptic anymore the next year when he comes to Twin Peaks and, and would be making fun of Cooper for seeing giants and midgets yeah. and whatever. So so that also seems to suggest that maybe this was... And that was added to the to the shooting script that was added during mm-hmm. filming. So it's like they're deliberately messing with some of this stuff in order to suggest that this isn't maybe what we think it is. So I do like the dream theory a lot. It's just the whole Chester Desmond existing in reality that I haven't quite reconciled yet. Well, but it's so hard with the secret history right. because so much of it is inconsistent. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So you can't really pick out one thing and say, yeah. Yeah. for sure this Chester Desmond exists now. Yeah. No, or, or I mean, he <laughs> or, could have existed and maybe or, Cooper just cast yeah. him in his dream, maybe. Yeah, to yeah. Play he could have him disappeared himself. in something else, right? Yeah, yeah or like, it's not um, clear in the book. And and or maybe he didn't just dis- disappear because in the book, um, Sam Stanley is mentioned as having just become an alcoholic, and now he's no longer an FBI agent. So maybe that's like yeah, it, it could be something more mundane. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows, right? But yeah, it's yeah, I really like the dream theory. The more I think about it, the more I like it. So do I. Yeah, that was. Uh... <laughs> Of all those things I read about that first part of Firewalk with me, yeah. that was the most, it's the most interesting right. to me, I guess, is uh, that it's uh, all trying to figure out what's what's going on, which mm-hmm. is exactly what we're all doing right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so why would Cooper need to dream about the Teresa Banks case in the first place. What would be the reason that he would have to do that, do you think? Well, I think he was just... Because that part takes place... Does it say one year later? Yes. In the, in the movie, it yes. does say one yeah. year later. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, after he goes to yeah. the trail. So yeah. he's still trying to investigate Teresa Banks' murder. Yeah. Yeah, he's just playing it over in yeah. his head. Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Uh, especially because oh sorry no 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 I was just gonna say because uh, the other scene we do get of Cooper in the the FBI offices mm-hmm. are him and Albert talking about 
who the next victim will be. Right. And that seems like it's uh, coming up. It's two days before Laura's murder or something. Right, right? yeah, that's separate mm. from, from the the dream part. It's firmly within it's, Laura's yeah. story. It's within Laura's story. Yeah. So I don't think that's a dream. Do you well, think it's the dream? I. It's got the slick back, Cooper, so yeah, that guess, leads but... me to believe that potentially yes. Um, but it's interesting because that is when he's... Uh, yeah, it, it would back up that idea that this dream all happened leading up to the days before uh, Laura's murder because he's still he's still thinking about it. Um, yeah. Even three days before her murder. Right. It's been a year, he's but still he's, still, thinking, he's still thinking about it. So yes, he could just be replaying that over in his mind again and again. And the dream is just a part of that. Right. One thing we haven't talked about yet, which is an important line, I think, is uh, Philip Jeffries, when he's rambling on and not wanting to talk about Judy, says we all live we live inside a dream. Yes, right. yeah. Um, which is a pretty clear indictment that mm-hmm. perhaps this is a dream <laughs> sequence. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting because in the uh, Missing Pieces, that whole sequence gets bookended by what appears to be two real things that happen to Jeffries which is him arriving in his hotel in uh, Buenos Aires. Aires. Uh, And then he gets his package, and then the next time we see him is after he's been to one of their meetings about the convenience store, and he walks into the FBI agents, or the FBI office. So it could be, I'm just going to lay out a potential timeline here. Uh, Jeffries arrives in Buenos Aires, uh, gets his package, um, disappears, or he follows the lead of Judy to Seattle or wherever, and then, yeah, so he, he goes from Buenos Aires, talks to Judy, goes to Seattle, um, and goes to the meeting above the convenience store. And once he enters that world, he's in the Red Room, a lodge, somewhere other place, um, he's then able to transport between dreams, or dream worlds. Okay. So the convenience store is one dream world. Okay. Cooper's dream is another, another one. That's why when he walks into Cooper's, he's pointing at Cooper and says, do you know who this is? This is the dream Cooper. This is not the real Cooper. Okay. Um, but he's saying it to Cooper, yeah. who's dreaming it. So he's trying, so he's Jeffers trying to, is trying to, or, to, war- to warn him or tell him yes. this is a dream? Yes. Okay. And, he's, and I think he's trying to uh, perhaps give Cooper a way out of the Red Room. Because re- that's one of Cooper's lines in the Red Room is, where am I and how do I get out? Right. So... I think Jeffrey's in the missing pieces. In the missing pieces. Yes, it's not included in the film. That's it's true. In the missing pieces, but yes. But he does ask that. Uh, so I, I'd say that Jeffrey's is transporting over to this dream to the Cooper's, Cooper's dream. dream world uh, in order to inform Cooper of perhaps this is a way out is to go through the convenience store and go back out that way. Okay. And he just he and then it, the, and then so that happens. So he's gone from Buenos Aires, Seattle, convenience store, Cooper's dream, and then the. Black Lodge spirits or something kick him out of the universe and back into the real world because it ends with him back in Buenos Aires maybe a day or so late. It's not clear what the timeline is like at all, but he's traveled backwards in time in my little theory that I just made up. Mm -hmm. And he basically explodes and dies, (laughs) which is kind of what we see in The Missing Pieces. So like that, and that's also kind of the bookend of um, right before you go back to Chester Desmond and his investigation of him going back for the, for the ring. Does that make any sense? So in your theory, <laughs> which you just came up with. Which I just made up. Which is kind of impressive. <laughs> I'm a little hot and bothered right now, Aiden. <laughs> this is, you're really turning my gears. But, um, you're disturbed. <laughs> so, um, so Jeffries is solely trying to help Cooper yeah. get out of the Red Room. Yeah. 
slash Black Lodge. Yeah. Okay. And he, I think he's talking to Cole because Cole is kind of the considered like the neutral observer in. He he's a, an authority figure in Cooper's mm-hmm. dream, mm-hmm. so he would be the one that Cooper would have to listen to. So mm-hmm. if he explains to Cole, uh, Cooper's a bad guy, or this isn't the real Cooper. You're, you're trapped in a dream right now. You're mm-hmm. trapped in a red room, mm-hmm. in a dream world of some type. Mm-hmm. Try and look for a way out. Um, he could, and what, in the missing pieces, what is, uh, Philip Jeffries, like, lays his head down on, on the, the desk. And what, he's, like, just moaning in pain or something like that. Yeah, right? but it's just him and Gordon at that point. Yeah, well, and that's the interesting thing is, uh, they ask Albert to leave. Mm-hmm. But... Cooper just like looks at them and then sprints off. Well, he hears something or something, or and oh, then he leaves. It? Yeah. Okay, I thought or he Gordon was just... tells him to after the, the lights start flickering and he's gonna go figure out why the. Powers... No, that's what Albert does, doesn't it? No. Okay. Well, you just punctured a small but hole in my otherwise flawless way, theory. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's but that is interesting because it's like because it's not the it would not be the first time that someone in a dream tries to influence the real world because we have Cooper trying to influence Laura not to take the ring in mm-hmm. later on in the film. So it could be that this is how Cooper realizes that he can influence Laura as well. Well, and even in the initial dream sequence from the TV series, right. Laura tells yes. him who killed her in the yeah, dream, Yeah, exactly. Right? So there's, there's lots of dreams influencing reality. Real yeah. So if this is chronologically speaking, this hap- the Philip Jeffries scene happens in 1988. Yeah. Because he was missing for two years. He was missing for two years, so he was in Buenos Aires in 1986. So chronologically, that takes place three, two or three years before Laura, before Cooper comes to Twin Peaks. That's the first time that somebody travels into a dream in order to influence um, reality. The real world, yeah. Is that maybe... Yeah, is that maybe like how? Well, (laughs) no, but like follow it to its logical conclusion because then we see Cooper do the same thing with Laura, and then like the next that's the next step chronologically, and then five weeks later, Mm -hmm. Laura does the same thing for Cooper. Yeah, right. So or twenty five years. Or (laughs) sure, but either way, when Laura talks to Cooper in his dream in episode two, yeah, that's the. That's the last time that someone has a dream that influences. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So well, except for Annie. <laughs> yeah, and, but, that, but that's yeah. another thing, right? Is Annie is kind of in a dreamlike state when she comes out of the red sure. room in uh, the missing pieces, and she's but, she, but still, she's reaching back into time yes, to tell five weeks later Laura to that tell Laura. in the dream world. Yeah. So right. there's there's lots of, huh. but it almost <laughs> seems like it's a progression of. Because I, I really, like, my my personal pet theory for season three is that we're going to see Laura save Dale from the Red Room or from the Black Lodge. And I think this is a progression of how we get, how we go from the dreams into reality. And Jeffrey's taught Cooper and Cooper taught Laura, so Laura's going to use that to, to mm. save Dale. And it's all, like, they're all wrapped up in this process of, like, having to save each other like yeah, I, it's yeah. so convoluted, but it, in a way, it feels so Lynch, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I can't discount yeah. it completely. Well, <laughs> it's the consequence you get sent back in time and blow up, though. Yeah, 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 like, yeah exactly. Like something like I don't know. <laughs> it, See, and, I didn't interpret that as as Jeffrey's dying. I thought it was just that was him. Like it was just a, a byproduct of having traveled through time. Well, yeah, 
Oh, like yeah, the no. DeLorean with the fire, yeah, you no, know, for sure. like, like that. Yeah. He arrives back in Buenos Aires and there's a black scorch mark on sure. the wall and he's kind of smoking. Um, but he doesn't die there. He screams. And then he's supposedly, I mean, they never see him again after that. If he's gone back to just that same day or the next day or something like that. He would have just continued on living. Yeah. And they would have found him and they wouldn't say he's been missing for two years. Like they would have just, he right, just would have been Right, but back. he's seen by two people in the, the hotel. The bellboy who craps his pants and the, that woman who um it's like on the floor yeah on the floor, she's... so like wouldn't they interview those people and be like oh, yeah but but then he if disappeared thing, yeah, and we he... saw him do that so we know that he yeah but then what are they going to say then he disappeared again right like so you that's think the he disappeared again well i think he exploded or he might have gone back into the dream world it might be that once you're in there you can't go back to the real world i don't know <laughs> Don't ask questions. Well, Lindsay. it is just a theory you came up with out of nowhere yeah, five I minutes not ago. So have time to think it through. Yeah, we'll we'll talk again. You'll okay. you'll. Why don't you go to sleep and dream about <laughs> it and then come back? I don't want a lynch dream. That would be terrible. <laughs> yeah, your lynch dreams are weird. Yeah. Um. Huh. Well, this discussion went. Yeah, a little off. No, but it's it's. I mean, just yeah, it's a question of like. Okay, if that part's a dream, then what else is dreams? Yeah. Like, we have Laura's dream in the movie, too. Yeah. Um, and we have the Red Room, which yeah. had previously been accessed by dreams. So there's so much dreaming going on. It's, yes. and, and that's what Lynch does. Really great is blurring the line. Well, and, and you know, in no later idea. films with Mulholland Drive, the, the idea that that's a dream, yeah. that most of that is a dream. Um, Lost Highway has elements of, if well, not dream literal logic, yeah. dreams, it's dream logic. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely David Lynch plays with that. Yeah, I can't see how... I, I just love that theory so much, the dream theory. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It, is, it is the most interesting, I agree with you. Uh-huh. I think that's just... It makes that whole sequence so much more than just... Some FBI agents. Yeah, than just an investigation. Yeah. yeah. Of the murder that we already kind of... Like, if you watch the series, you know that Teresa Banks died, and then, you know, it does. It has no emotional connection to Laura, really. Like, yeah. Yeah. even the the things where they try and tie Leland back to Teresa mm-hmm. feel a little tacked on. Like, they're not as mm-hmm. um, weighty as anything with Laura. But, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it adds something, but... Do you have anything to add, Olivia? I really like it because I really didn't like that first sequence yeah. until you guys told me that, yeah. and then it made so much more sense. Yeah, it's so weird, and <clears throat> the way they interact yeah. is not anything close to how people, yeah. even in the movie, do yeah. right. Yeah. Like right. it's yeah. just so different. Yeah, yeah. Um, even like in the diner and stuff, like everyone's kind of mean and like they don't answer the questions, like right. and they don't follow up with the thing. Like when she says, uh, "What's her name?" The main waitress lady. Irene. Irene. Thank you. Uh, Irene says, oh, well, she died of a freak accident. Right. And like, like, yeah, exactly. like that's, that's not, I, I said that when we were talking about it. I'm like, that just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if it's a dream, they just kind of let it go. It would just be a thing that your brain would be like, oh, yeah, it's a freak accident. Okay. Because you just yeah. accept things when you're dreaming, right? right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Well, and the other thing that really lends itself to the whole, that this is a dream is, is that there are such clear delineations and flips, like... That Deer Meadow is like the opposite of Twin Peaks in every possible way. And when you see that and when you know David Lynch's works, like if there's a blonde and a brunette, they're going to be opposites, right? If there's a Twin Peaks and a Deer Meadow and you see that they're like, it, it makes sense that that would be opposite. And, and so 
is it really like is there really a deer meadow that is that mean and cruel and awful yeah it was an exaggeration or was this an exaggeration of, of because it's a dream and this is you know how you because and that's that's the other thing is that it feels like a dream like you said olivia it feels like the kind of thing that you would take the events of the day and and remember the salient points and fill in the rest with whatever and it feels it like it doesn't have to f- make any sense no it anything. just has to it flow has to, in a weird way and yeah and there'd be lots of random stuff mm-hmm. and the way they hold their bodies is like how your body feels in a dream right. like yes. when they spill the coffee like that's things are hard in dreams yeah. like holding things is hard yeah yeah turning it exactly yeah, just, it, the one thing that it, uh, again, it's in the missing pieces. Is the fight sequence yes. between Chester Desmond? He fights the the sheriff. The sheriff. <laughs> like they have a fist fight in the in the yeah. it, which is really funny. But I mean, that's kind of like the opposite because usually in a dream, if you're in a fight, you're just like. <laughs> well, and I think that's why maybe it was cut, right? Like I think yeah. a lot of these scenes might have, the the scenes that were cut. If you reinsert them, they don't all fit with the dream. That's one reason why yeah. I'm not a fan of the Q2 fan edit. But. Um, but I guess we'll have to wait and see how that fits in with with season three, whether that changes things. Yeah. But uh, What's your guys' opinion on the Cooper's autobiography? Oh, yes. We yes. did an episode on this a couple of weeks we ago, yeah. and Lindsay really likes it. Yeah, that was a really long episode. We went really deep into that. Just because in that, Cooper did investigate yes. Teresa yes. Banks. Yes, he did. Yes. But yeah. whether I guess it depends whether you think it belongs in. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think the fact that in the script it was Cooper. Yeah. yeah. Kind of lends credence to the idea that they had planned it that way at yeah. least. So. Well, and it seems like that in, in the pilot. I mean, he doesn't come out strictly and say that he investigated investigated it, but the fact that he's talking about it at that big town meeting about the murder a year ago and it kind of, I mean implicitly it, it implies that he was the one to investigate it yeah. so i do think in as much as we can talk about canon in twin peaks i think it is canon that he investigated Teresa banks's murder yeah yeah the yeah, rest which... of the autobiography i'm not sure about but <laughs> but i do think that it's yeah um well yeah. that's caroline in there and stuff too so but there's lots of things in there that don't match up yeah with no that's true we... Like, it's really? It's like all the Cooper books. Is, all the is... books don't match up with no. the CD series. But they don't care about that. It's not... They're not no, I think that. we've been primed for inconsistencies all along. <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> So... No, definitely. Was there anything else that you wanted to bring up with the dream theory? No, that's pretty much it. It's just... It's, it makes the whole first part... Like, uh, the first time I watched the movie, mm-hmm. I obviously I hadn't read what the dream theory was, so... <laughs> yeah. I didn't know <clears throat> what was going on. Right. The first part. But I still really liked it. But it just expands on that so much more. And you can watch it again and try and read way more into it. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it's true or not, it's just fun to, yeah. fun to do. So. Yeah. No, I agree 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, I yeah. mean, it makes a lot of sense from the standpoint of the rest of Lynch's films yeah yeah and it fits in with the theme of duality and with the dream logic that we were introduced to early on in the series so i i i have a hard time completely discounting it plus it does like you said aaron make it 
much more enjoyable to watch. Mm -hmm. If you watch it just as a straight, like this was an investigation that happened, that happened yeah. <laughs> it's way less interesting. I think, Olivia, you kind of, maybe that's one reason why you didn't yeah. like it so much, right? Mm, totally. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Yes, but like, <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. 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 But then realizing that maybe there's more to it yeah. makes it more enjoyable in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, you don't really like just police and, uh, what do they call those TV shows? Procedural, Procedural crime dramas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. You, you don't right. like that at Not all. At all. So, yeah. But, I mean, to add in a dimension where you can actually think about or analyze what's going on. And yeah, like, are, is what we're seeing actually happening mm -hmm. or does it have another meaning? Mm -hmm. It is what it is. It's it's cool, yeah. I think it, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's just another layer for, you know, a David Lynch movie. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, maybe everything in all of his movies are dreams. Maybe yeah, it's all, it's literally it's just, one all big dream. Yeah. A, just one big dream. We're going to get to We're the end. We're all in the shared dream. Yeah. Like I, we mentioned it before. There's, I, I, it's the, the new accounts lady in, in the bank at the end, in the final episode, the one who's sleeping. When the bomb it's like goes one off, shot. Yeah. <laughs> you'd be pretty she, she's the that. one who's dreaming the whole, the whole thing. thing. The whole yeah. thing. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Including her own existence yep. in the dream. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that makes yep. sense. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Bizarre kind of way. Uh, yeah. So uh, thank you again, both of you, for joining us yes. once again, uh, sharing your theories and thoughts and uh, experiences. Excellent yep. work. If you're enjoying the show and want to join the conversation, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bickeringpeaks, all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter, that's at bickeringpeaks. Or you can head over to iTunes and leave us a review or comment. We'd love to hear from you.